Open God's Word up together. Um, We're reading today from Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11, which is page 1531 of the Church Bibles. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and once... Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what the prophet, what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that, shout, those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, mate. Uh, uh, We'll pray and then we'll get into this passage for a bit. We'll sort that out. All right, let's pray together. Um, God, we thank you that you are a good God, uh, a loving God. We thank you as we've uh, been joining together and and looking at who you are and what you're capable of doing these last few weeks uh, here at Southside, that we have been reminded of um, just how good you are. Uh, We pray, though, this morning as we uh, think about what that means for our lives as we head into Easter, um, that you would help us see and understand uh, what this passage is really getting at. Uh, But more than that, who, uh, Jesus, you are. And we pray that we would have this full picture of you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, You you know, if you've tried it before, that putting together a picture of someone from the radio is a bit difficult. Um, It's obvious why putting together a a picture of someone where you've only got bits and pieces, maybe you've only heard their voice. I remember the first time I heard, uh, I saw a picture of the guy on 612 ABC in the morning, Steve Austin, if you know him, Uh, not him. Uh, (laughs) We'll go back one. Yep, that's not him. But he's bald, I think. I mean, maybe I thought of someone with more hair. Um, But the best example of this is the picture that will go on the screen in, uh, in a second. We'll chuck it up now. This is a guy, I don't know if you've seen Wayne's World. It was on TV a few nights ago. Uh, Wayne's World 2, I think. I don't know why we were watching it. I don't think there was much else on. And um, they, basically the show is, I won't spoil the movie. Uh, It's been out for 26 uh, years, so maybe you should have seen it. I won't spoil it, though. I'm not that kind of pastor. Um, Someone else might be. No, but uh, basically what the story is, uh, is uh, in Wayne's world. So Wayne and his mate Garth basically try and put this gig on. And so they go, they get this radio interview, and the guy that interviews them is this guy, and his name's Handsome Dan, right? And so th- they play on this because you kind of think, okay, what, what's Handsome Dan going to look like? Uh, there's a joke made about it. There's this guy that looks kind of good, but he's just a sound engineer. And then they meet this guy, and, and that's Handsome Dan, it, it's hard to put together a, p- a picture of someone where you don't have the full kind of picture, where you've only got bits and pieces of them. 
Now, as we gather here today, I feel like sometimes we can do that with Jesus. So we kind of get these bits and pieces of Jesus and we put this kind of picture of who we think Jesus is. And sometimes it's not the full picture. Sometimes it's a blurry picture. And so this morning, you might have come to church with some sort of idea of Jesus. So if you had to lock down a picture of Jesus in your head, what would you lock down? What picture would you have? I mean, it was Christmas not long ago, so maybe you'd have baby Jesus. A sort of weird picture like this. Maybe not baby Jesus. Maybe you have sort of a more modeled kind of Jesus with a chiseled face. Maybe this one is more your picture of Jesus. The kind of guy that looks like he could fit in with a proper handsome Dan, right? Maybe this is your picture of Jesus. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you like Jesus with a lamb on his shoulders. And that's the kind of idea that you like to see of Jesus. Or, or maybe ultimately, maybe this one of Jesus hanging on a cross this is the go-to picture for you. Now, I think as we gather here today, this morning, I mean, lots of us, we'd have bits and pieces, a, a picture of Jesus with some bits of different pieces. And sometimes we can have the wrong picture or not a full picture of Jesus. And, and obviously this morning, I'm not talking about what he looks like, right? I'm not really talking about whether he's got blue or green eyes. I mean, who really cares about that? I'm talking about who he really is and kind of what he's, he's really capable of doing. And as we gather, sometimes we have this picture of Jesus where it's, it's a kind of a blurry picture or not a full picture. And as we have this picture of Jesus, we can, we can rob Jesus of his kind of glory and honor, but also our reaction to him differs. And, and so what we want to do is this morning come to this passage and, and, and ask this question, what is the full picture of Jesus and why does it matter? So have your Bibles open in Matthew 21. Now, I understand going into a series uh, in Easter, heading into Easter. This is Palm Sunday's, you know, talk. I get that. And traditionally, you're meant to do this talk the week out from Easter. I didn't know what the big deal about Palm Sunday was. Didn't even know the tradition of it. So I thought, you know what, let's break that. Let's do it a week early. And so that's what we're heading into this week. Uh, Palm Sunday, a week early, looking at who Jesus is. So if you have your Bibles there today, uh, we'll pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there, with her colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell, them, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So here we've got a significant moment, not just in the history of, not just in the life of Jesus, but really in the history of the world. Jesus here, I mean, this is significant. This is a big moment as he enters Jerusalem. He's done it before, but here is significant because of what we know happens around this event, right? Like in, in three or four days time, Jesus is going to die. And so this is a significant moment. But it does sound like something a little bit suspect's going on in the first couple of verses there. So if you come to this with fresh eyes, not with someone who's read this or heard this a thousand times, it does sound like this significant moment is beginning with Jesus stealing someone's donkey. Right? Actually does sound like that. And he's getting his boys to do it. They're going snaking someone's donkey and that's what he's going to ride on. Um, and so we, we do have to ask this question, what's he doing here? Because it sounds like today's equivalent, just grabbing two friends to go and steal someone's car so you can drive around and not use your fuel, right? That's the picture that we've got here. So what's happening with Jesus here? Well, it's not really clear, right? It's not clear how Jesus knew, 
but it is clear that he did know that the owner would be okay with it, right? We don't know how he knew, but it's clear that much. In the first few verses, we see that. He is clear. Uh, he knows that the owner would be okay with it. So whether it was like a God thing, you know, and, and some sort of sovereign thing put in the heart of the owner, we don't know. I mean, if you want to speculate that, sure, you can do that. It could have just been that a few weeks earlier, Jesus struck up a conversation said, I need a donkey in a few weeks' time, and so this is the deal they struck. I mean, we, we don't know, but however Jesus knew, uh, he knew the owner would be okay. So he grabs this donkey, he rides this donkey, and as we see in verse 5, another prophecy is fulfilled. I mean, I, I love that. As Jesus goes to the cross, we see these prophecies fulfilled. It really does show us that this is plan A for Jesus. You know, th this isn't plan B. It gives us confidence that what Jesus did at the cross was plan a, but again, we do have to ask the question, is, like, we do have to ask the question, if this is a significant moment, right? So if this is significant, not just in the life of Jesus, but in the history of the world, and if Jesus is the king that verse 5 talks about, if he's the one the Old Testament spoke about, we do have to ask this question, why is Jesus riding on a donkey, right? Seriously, why is he riding on a donkey? I mean, aside from fulfilling prophecy, right, I don't think that's the only reason why is Jesus riding on a donkey? If this is the king, if this is significant, if this is a big moment in the life of Jesus and the history of the world, why is he riding on a donkey? I mean, we all know that when you're making a big entrance, you don't ride on something like a donkey. We all know that, right? So, so even if you're not a king or a queen, like we understand that, say, for our formals, right, and, and some of our grade 12s are having formals at the moment, you know that when you're making a big entrance, you do it in something nice, right? We all know that. So we've seen photos of that. You know, you get these nice cars that are washed and looked after and look like they're expensive. You arrive with a bang, right? It's the same with weddings, right? The bride rocks up in a nice car. She, it, it, a car that looks washed and cleaned and, 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 and expensive. But what Jesus is doing here isn't rocking up in a limo or a Hummer or an American muscle car, whatever car you want. He's rocking up in your mum's 1998 Toyota Camry. That's what he's doing, which embarrassingly is what I rocked up to in my form. But look, I mean, I wanted to leave quickly. That's why I did it. I mean, there was a plan to the madness. Um, I made up for it for a wedding, didn't make the same mistake then. I mean, arguably, there wouldn't have been a wedding if that happened. But, but seriously, though, Jesus here isn't rocking up in a limo or something nice. He's rocking up in a 1998 beat-up Toyota Camry. So, so why is he riding on a donkey? Especially, so on top of that, especially since the order of the day was kings would rock up on horses. Right? So, so back in the day, kings would, when they were returning to home or their hometown, they'd come on a horse, a horse symbolic of power and authority and confidence as you see your king riding on a horse, you go, that's someone I can follow with a sword in his hand. Maybe, I don't know if there were heads hanging off the back, but this is a, a king that you'd go, yes, I can follow that king. I'll do whatever that king asks because he's a beast. He's a strong king, a powerful king with an army. This is the king I want to follow. And yet Jesus here is on a donkey. A donkey not symbolic of power and authority. A donkey symbolic of peace and humility and so here we have the king the old testament spoke about the ones where the jews were longing for the one we've been looking for history's waiting for and here he's riding on a donkey the prince of peace 
on a donkey. Humility here, the, the scene. So our picture of Jesus starts to clear up for us. We've got this humble king, this peaceful king. This is a significant moment. But there, was, there, there is something strange going on here. I mean, there is something a little bit strange going on here because the crowds in Jerusalem were looking for a king who would come in power, right? A king they could be confident in. And I think if we just look at what the crowds do, this is the kind of king they're looking for too. So verse 6, the disciples go and get the donkey. Verse 7, uh, they, they place the cloaks on the donkey. And then verse 8, uh, what we see, a very large crowd. So, so that's important to note, first of all. Right? This isn't happening in a seedy club with only a few people around that no one knows this event's going on. Right, A very large crowd is here. They spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So, so the crowds understand that this is someone big here, right? Very large crowds gather. So we know crowds don't gather unless there's something going on, right? So, so very large crowds gather. And they cut down palm branches, although we don't see it here. That's from John that we get the Palm Sunday. That's where the palms come in. They cut these branches down and lay it before the king. It's kind of the forerunner of the red carpet. Right? This is what you would do for a king. You'd, you'd lay down stuff almost so he doesn't touch the, the, his feet don't touch the ground. Right? This is the picture. They knew this was important. It is a little bit of a weird picture. Right? I mean, we, we do have to admit that. I don't know if you can imagine like Malcolm Turnbull getting off the plane and then people just rushing to the trees, cutting down branches so that you know, he doesn't have to. It's a weird picture. But this is what you did for a king. This is what you did for a king. So crowds are gathering, they're laying down, they're saying the king's here, and then they're yelling out Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna to the one from the Old Testament. Now Hosanna, and, and our Bibles, uh, well, some of our Bibles say it down the bottom, it's this expression that means save us. Save us. Kind of this idea of save us now. I mean, maybe it's what you would say if you got caught in a rip to the lifeguard, right? Save us. It's this kind of idea. So they're yelling out to this king. The crowds are gathering. The palms are down. And they're saying, save us. Save us now. The whole city stirred. Right? We, we see that. The whole city stirred, which uh, we can guess is about 70,000 people. And they say, who is this? And they say, this is the one God sent. The one who speaks God's word. This is the prophet from God. The son of David. The, the one who's going to save us. Now, now, for a second here this morning, imagine that that's all you've got about who this king is, right? Only the crowd's voice here. And so you hear from the crowds, okay, they're gathering around, they're laying palms down, they're screaming, Hosanna, save us. The whole city is said, if you just hear the crowds, who do you think is coming into the city? Maybe it's a king on a horse. Maybe it's someone with a sword. Maybe it's someone with an army, right? A big king, someone who you can trust, but, but then you see Jesus. He's not on a horse. He's on a donkey. Not with a sword, but in humility. Not going to defeat the Romans like the Jews wanted in power. But he's going to bring peace by his blood. And so as these people see Jesus, whether it happens straight away or over the course of a few days, it's clear that the crowds don't like what they see. 
It's crowded. As this picture of Jesus starts to clarify, the crowds don't like what they see. It's kind of like what happens in those horrible dating shows. So I don't know if you've watched them recently. I don't know what happened in our house the other night, but we just got caught watching this uh, Chinese dating show. I do know what happened, right? We, we turned it on and watched it. But um, and this Chinese dating show, if you've seen it, it's called If You Are The One. To put it in context, uh, context uh, 36 million people pretty much watch this show every time it airs. It's like one and a half times almost Australia that watched this show. Now, basically what happens in this dating show is you've got 20 girls lined up with this, 20 women lined up with this kind of a lectern, almost like this with a, a blue light or a red light in front of them. And basically they've got to decide whether they're interested in the guy or not. And so you see this guy come down the chute and straight away the, the, girl, the women have to decide whether they like first impressions or not. So some of them tap out, right, or straight away. Like, of course, it's shallow, but th this is what dating shows are. And, and so um, that happens. And then the rest of the girls, if they're still in, then he's got to sell himself to them. So, you know, the one we watched, he loves drones, right? I mean, like that's going to sell yourself to, to 15 women. I mean, maybe it does in China. I don't know. But, but this, is, um, this is what he does. And so, of course, you see other women tap out. Like they don't like what they see. And then, you know, his friends talk to them about him. You know, his friends try and sell him, which gets worse. And then eventually all of the women have tapped out because they don't like what they see. And this happens, right, like pretty much the whole show. It happens. Basically, no one goes through. Now, yes, it's shallow. Of course it is. Of course we're not basing our lives on this or anything like that. Of course it's ridiculous. But see, what happens in Jerusalem here is kind of on that same kind of ridiculous kind of level. Right? So, so these people, they see Jesus early on and, and they see that he's, he claims to be the king. They see miracles and they go, okay, we'll see this king out. We'll see what he does here. And then as he's entering into to Jerusalem on, on a donkey, I mean, I'm sure there were question marks going, I thought this was the one who's going to save us from the Romans, and yet, yet here he's on a donkey. But, but hey, we'll see him out. right? We'll continue to just see what he does here. And then the days get closer to his death, and he gets arrested, and they're thinking, that's not what the king's supposed to do. Gets beaten up. That's not what the king's supposed to do. And then when Pilate says to the crowds in Jerusalem, who do you want? Do you want Jesus? What, what do you want to do with Jesus? And no crowds there are saying, Hosanna, are they? They're, they're saying, crucify him. Now, look, we can't be sure if it was the same people. I mean, we can't be sure that the same people that were yelling out Hosanna would, were yelling out crucify. But what we can be sure is that there were very large crowds here. The whole city is stirred. And yet when Jesus is crucified, no one is standing up for him. And so what we see is that Jesus is the king who's not coming in power, but coming in peace, not to defeat the Romans, but to, to defeat sin by his blood. And so in chapters 27, as we go, if you flick over in your Bibles, what we see in chapter 27 is this unfold. And over and over again, we get this picture of the king cleared up for us. And over and over again, he's mocked for being king and he's killed for claiming to be king. So verse 28 of chapter 27, we see they strip him and they put a scarlet robe on him. In verse 29, they twist together a crown of thorns and they set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him. They knelt in front of him and mocked, Hail, King of the Jews. In verse 30, they spit on him. In 31, they take him away to crucify him. As he gets nails in his hands and his feet, in verse 37, above him sits this written charge that says, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. 
In verse 42, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mock him again. for saying They say he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and then we'll believe. And then we see in verse 50, Jesus, the king, breathes his last, gives up his spirit and dies. So our picture of this king is cleared up for us. So, so we had this king who's humble and gentle, and now we have this king who's dead. But we do have to recognize here that as Jesus died on the cross, he was still defeating enemies, just not the Romans as the Jews wanted. As Jesus was dying on the cross, he was defeating the Jews' greatest enemy. See, see, Jesus recognized that the Jews' greatest enemy wasn't the Romans. And for us, I mean, we know that today the Romans are definitely not our greatest enemy. And so as Jesus was dying on the cross, he was dying for their greatest enemy. And for our greatest enemy, he was doing the great swap, as the kids say. He was dying for us to save us from our sin. The Romans couldn't take their eternity, but sin can Sin, which lies within all of us, can destroy. It does destroy. It separates us from God. And it's what lies within all of us. So we have to recognize here that the Romans and and our physical enemies aren't our greatest enemies. Our greatest enemies are ourselves. I'm my greatest, greatest enemy. I can do far more damage to me than you can because ultimately I will have to face the consequences for my sin. I'll be held accountable from the God of the universe for what I've done. And I can't do anything about that. But Jesus can. And this is why he's going to the cross in humility, bringing peace for us as we come to him, as we trust him. It's what the kids call the great swap. As Jesus took our place on the cross, our punishment. And so our picture of this king starts to clear up for us doesn't i mean in palm sunday we've got this king who's this um this gentle king this meek king riding on a donkey but now as we look to the cross we have a savior king a loving king but still a dead king and so we've got to be careful that as we look to this king that we don't stop at this picture of jesus see i know that for what two thousand years christians have used the symbol of the cross to remember the cross Right, to remember what Jesus done, the, the symbol that we put around our, um, around our necks and on our cars and you see sometimes tattooed um, on people. Um, but, but something that I've never understood and always found strange was how people still have Jesus hanging on the cross. It's strange to remember Jesus still hanging on the cross. Now, look, if you've got one of these crosses, I mean, I'm not having a go at you. If you remember this, I think it's a good thing to remember the cross. I think it's a good thing to try and remember Jesus whenever. But, but it's really important that we don't stop at Jesus hanging on a cross. Because if we stop at Jesus still hanging on a cross, the reality is we, we actually still have a blurry picture of Jesus. We don't have a full picture of Jesus And if we have a blurry picture of Jesus, we can't be confident of who we're actually following. 
We can't be confident if our picture is still blurry that Jesus is who we think he is. So we need a full picture. It's kind of like uh, what happens, an example of this is like what uh, I see on Twitter each week. So I'm a Manchester City fan, uh, which is a team in England. And in uh, on their Twitter page, they put up this photo each week uh, where they tell you to guess the blurry picture. Now, even if you are a diehard Manchester City fan, you're not going to get that, right? Um, even if you're a fan of England, you're not going to guess who that is. But this morning, for the sake of it, just lock in a name. Someone you think that that is, right? You got your name. Let's move on. The player is Emmanuel Adebayor. We'll move to the next picture, the clear picture. He was a good soccer player. There he is. All right, we can move on. The, the reality is that the blurry picture, you don't know who it is. You can't be sure of who it is. I mean, you can think, you can have a rough idea, maybe the outline, but, but you don't really know who it is. And, and, and so you kind of, I don't know, in this instance, it doesn't really matter. But when it comes to Jesus, if we have a blurry picture of Jesus, then we're following someone that maybe we've got this outline, but we're not really sure who he is. And that actually affects our lives. You see, if we stop at the cross, what we have is a Jesus, a Savior who, yes, loves us. Yes, is humble, but ultimately he's still dead. If we have a picture of Jesus that stops at Palm Sunday, we've got a gentle Savior, a loving Savior who's riding on a donkey. But we need a full picture of Jesus. And so we've got to keep reading the Bible. And as we keep reading, eventually we come to this place which interestingly enough, we see palms involved again. And this place shows us the key picture of Jesus or the full picture of Jesus. It adds to this picture of Jesus. And it's in Revelation chapter 7. The passage will be on the screen. But this is what it says in Revelation 7. After this, I looked up and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus. Right, so our picture is being clarified for us. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. This is the king. This is the king here. Verse 10, and, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So, so notice how Palm Sunday, they were saying, Hosanna, save us now, right? This idea of future tense, save us. We, we want you to save us. But here they're saying, no, he has saved us. And this picture of Jesus is the picture at the end of time where they're saying we have been saved. Verse 11, all the angels that were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. So the soldiers mocked Jesus by falling down before him. If only they knew who was in front of them. Here the angels fall before Jesus saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. The full picture of Jesus, the final picture of Jesus is one where you see his power and his strength on display as, as people can't help but fall before him. And as we think about Jesus, we need the full picture of Jesus. We need to see that he is the Savior King who lovingly, humbly came to the cross, gently died on the cross to save us. But he's also the King that rose from the dead and sits as the King of Kings in all power, in all authority, 
Angels fall down before him. This is our God. So we have to remember this picture of Jesus. We have to hold on to this picture of Jesus. He's our savior and he's our king. And the reality is if we don't have this full picture of Jesus, we won't react to him in the way that we should. If we don't have this full picture of Jesus, our reactions to him are messed up because we see this blurry outline rather than who really who he is. And to prove that point, and we'll finish on this, but to prove that point, uh, it's this word that's been invented that has been invented since online dating, and it's a word called catfish. And basically what it is, it's not the fish in the sea. It's what happens when the person you think you're in an online relationship with, sometimes horribly for years, isn't actually the person you think they are. So there's a TV show that's um, come about from it and um, basically every single time you get to the end of the show and they reveal the person they thought they were with an online relationship with and it just, it's, you know, pretty much every time it's never the person that they thought they were, you know, in a relationship with. You know, sometimes it's an older woman, sometimes it's a, a like, I'm not going to spoil every story if you do go home and watch it. I don't know why you would, but, you know, this, because, um, yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> But this is what happens, right? Every single time, it's a different person than, you, than you'd actually expect. And when you realize the person isn't who you thought they were, every time the relationship changes. Obviously, that's what happens. When, you, when your eyes are open to, to who you're really dating, the relationship, sometimes it ends, sometimes it moves dramatically, but it always changes because you realize who's in front of you this morning we have to see who Jesus really is because if we don't well our reactions to him are going to vary so so if we just see Jesus as a savior if we just see him as a loving gentle savior who rides on a donkey and ultimately is still dead then I'm going to do whatever I want right because ultimately he's going to save me no matter what so if Jesus is just my savior I will live the good life here and now for sure I'll eat and drink and be merry who cares who I spend my time with who cares how I talk how I speak to people who cares if I love people who cares how much I drink who cares what I do with my life because at the end of the day Jesus is still going to save me right if this is my only picture of Jesus who cares how I live my life because he's a gentle, loving saviour who will save me. A blurry picture of Jesus isn't going to help. But alternatively, the same is true if Jesus is just this king. So if he's just a king that doesn't love me and doesn't care about me, then I'm going to live my life in guilt and fear and worry. And I'm not going to flourish in that environment. Because he, he's this ruling king that's detached from me. But, but I mean, yeah, I'll be at church. For sure I will. I mean, I'll be reading my Bible, I'll be ticking things up, I'll be doing religion perfectly with no relationship to the God who cares me, cares for me. So, so see, we need a full picture of Jesus, one where we have this Savior who loves us and also this King who rules us. And so this morning you do have to ask this question, what is your picture of Jesus? What is your picture of Jesus? You think you, who do you think he is? And if you're struggling to think of who you think Jesus is, maybe your life will show you who you think Jesus is. Does your life reflect that you have a loving Savior who doesn't rule you? Does your life reflect you have a ruler that doesn't love you? We need a full picture of Jesus. 
Because I know that this morning coming in here, that some of us have this picture of, this, of Jesus. You know, he is meek and mild and gentle. Maybe the lamb one represents him more in our minds. Some of us this morning come in and our picture of Jesus is just one of him on the cross, the saviour. Some of us this morning have come in and just see him as a king. So, so however we got here, we need to come to the Bible's picture of Jesus, the saviour who loves us and the king who rules us, ultimately the king who we will bow to one day, the day Revelation 7 talked about. So, so let's get this picture of Jesus right. It's the full picture of Jesus. Let's make sure our reactions are right to this full picture of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the way in which you have revealed yourself. Jesus, we thank you for the way in which you love us and care about us, the way in which you humbly entered into the world and died on a cross to save us, to defeat our biggest enemies. We, we thank you for that, Jesus. We praise you for that. But we praise you too and we recognize too that you didn't stay dead. You rose again and you sit as king, the king above all kings. Help us to continue to see this full picture of Jesus. And help us to think about what that means for our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.